0: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Friend of a Friend podcast. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we welcome actress and filmmaker Hannah March to the show. Her first feature, After Everything, as co-writer and director, premiered to rave reviews at the 2018 South by Southwest Film Festival, where Hannah was also nominated for the Game Changer Award. She's also been named a Rolling Stones 25 25 Artist Changing the World, a Forbes 30 Under 30 alum, and a Wall Street Journal's 10 Biggest Rising Stars. Her latest project is Banana Split, a movie she co-wrote, produced, and stars in alongside Dylan Sprouse and Liana Liberato, which just released this past Thursday to 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. She was also the female lead of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and also starred in The Runaways, Dawn, Necessary Roughness, Weeds, and The Amazing Spider-Man. Her next project is directing John Green's next adaptation, Turtles All the Way Down, which she will be one of the youngest females to ever direct a major studio production. In this episode, Hannah and I talk through where we both are in the midst of coronavirus craziness, how she's balancing all the actor, director, writer, and producer hats— and fills us in on some secrets of one of the most highly anticipated films. Here's my friend, Hannah Marks. I'm so excited to catch up with you because I definitely have not seen you since maybe we graduated high school.
0: Yeah, that's so crazy to think about.
1: But it's been really fun,
0: like, watching your Instagram. you just become more and more and more fabulous. Like, like, you're in every cute designer outfit. Your skin is glowing. Like, it's so
1: cool to watch you just blossom like a flower. Thank you. She's saying this to me when, meanwhile, I have her as a guest on my show. So thank you for the compliments. But I'm throwing them right back at you.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to be on. I apologize in advance that my chair is really creaky, um, so it might sound like I'm farting the whole interview. It's totally
1: fine. We are letting the audience know that this is like new territory of recording from home. There's definitely like a lawnmower going on outside. Like we're all along for this ride of storytelling during coronavirus
0: together. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a few of these and I have to, you know, make it clear to everyone I'm not farting. It's the noises in my...
1: <laughs> okay, well, now that we've established that, we can keep going. Where are you from and where do you live now? I'm from Los Angeles, but
0: I live in LA and New York and I went to elementary school in San Luis Obispo. So I like to throw that in there because that was a big part of my childhood.
1: I actually remember that being one of the first things that you told me about when we met because it's on a fault... Is it on a fault line? It's like one of the happiest cities in America, isn't it?
0: I don't know about the fault line, but it is voted the happiest city in America, but... Not a fault line. It's a blue zone. I have no idea, but I know that Oprah says it's the happiest city in America.
1: Yeah. Only ever listened to Oprah. But yeah, I think I remember thinking of you recently because I was reading a book about blue zones and I'm pretty sure that it's a blue zone. And I remember you telling me it's like one of the happiest cities. Weird that that stuck with me for many years. (laughs)
0: A blue zone as in politically or? What no,
1: is I will send you the book once we're done with this. But there are blue zones around the world that I believe it has something to do with the equator and where the city falls on it. And it just means that like the city is literally radiating good energy. It's been proven that people are the happiest in the cities that are in blue zones.
0: That's so crazy. I'm mm-hmm. definitely read
1: that. Yeah, I'll send it to you after we're done. So you grew up acting. When as a child did you decide that you wanted to be an actress?
0: Probably birth, practically. I mean, I'm a dramatic. Out of the trend. womb. Yeah, no, my mom was an actress, and she started when she was six, and I started when I was around six. So I, I grew up getting to see some of her commercials and, like, guest spots that she did on the 80s shows. So it was always kind of exciting yet also normal to me because my mom went through it. Yeah. I say went through it as if it was, like, torture, but...
1: <laughs> no, but... I think that there is, I mean, you grew up in LA, family and showbiz. What was that like?
0: Well, my mom had quit acting by the time she had me. Uh, So she like passed it on to you via birth. She was like, I'm not a multitasker. I'm going to be a mother now. And thankfully she had, you know, the luxury to be a stay at home mom. And then my dad's not in the business at all. So I kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, you have to have some, some perspective, I think. So I got lucky that I had one parent involved and one parent not involved. I think.
1: What was your first audition as a kid? Oh gosh, I don't even remember.
0: Well, I know my first embarrassing audition, like the first one that sticks out of. (laughs) This is the
1: story I want.
0: (laughs) As humiliating. Do you remember the show Malcolm in the Middle? Of course. It really dates me. This makes me sound like I'm a hundred years old. Nineties kids. Yeah. One of my favorite audition stories, not that it's a favorite, I guess, because it's horrifying, but it was like 120 degrees in the valley. I was probably 11 years old. I had the flu and I didn't know it. And I went to this audition and it was basically a cattle call. I was sweating and I got in the room and I vomited on camera. (laughs) (sighs) And then I ran out to the waiting room and vomited again in front of all the other actresses. So that sticks out as one of the most memorable first auditions.
1: Oh, my God. But you were a kid. It's like, you know, what can you say? You probably were so nervous.
0: Yeah. And I had the flu. I wasn't doing so hot. And thankfully, the casting directors were really, really sweet and brought me water and they weren't mad at all. But um, it is horrifying to think that that
1: footage exists somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere. And I remember you were homeschooled as a kid, right?
0: Yeah, I was homeschooled on and off. I would go through phases where I wanted to be normal and try real school. And then I would try real school and hate it and realize it was overrated. Kids are so mean. It's just, yeah, school was not, not for me, especially because I was already disciplined. So I didn't need someone to help me set deadlines. So homeschooling was pretty easy for me to find the motivation to learn. But yeah, I went to Montclair Prep for 10th grade, which I absolutely hated. Um, And that school doesn't even exist anymore.
1: Were you Beverly Hills? Yeah, I was. So I lived right by like UCLA. So like border of like Beverly Hills, Westwood. Yeah, it was nice. But I mean, I feel like I didn't really grow up over there because I went to Buckley. So I was in the Valley all the time. Um, And that was like, even on the weekends, like I would go to the Galleria and like that was just the area that was familiar to me. Like, I I don't think I had any friends that like lived in my neighborhood growing up.
0: Well, that's good that you didn't have that stigma against the Valley because a lot of people in Beverly Hills are like, oh, you live in the Valley.
1: Oh my God. I still see that today. And I'm like, you guys just haven't experienced, you guys just don't know what's over there. Like you just haven't. Well,
0: yeah. Keep thinking it sucks because leave it for me. I want it to myself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I want to keep it like this where there's no traffic and pretty neighborhoods.
1: I I think Studio City is the most underrated gem of Los Angeles.
0: Oh yeah. I agree. I want to die in Toluca Lake or Studio City probably.
1: Love that. I mean don't love that but you know it's a it's a great way to go coming in and out of schools being homeschooled like did you feel alienated almost as a kid or were you just so focused on acting and like self motivation
0: I'm an only child so I was used to being alone already I think and I really didn't like being an only child I think you get thicker skin if you have siblings and I think you're you know uh, more experience socially when you have siblings, you know more people. I, I really felt like I missed out on that more so than the actual schooling. And then I also just get freaked out being an only child because when my parents get older, there's no one with me who will understand that or go through that with me in the same way. So sorry, that's a dark way to answer your no, question. No,
1: super real and honest. It's totally fine.
0: Yeah, I guess it's um, that impacted me, I think more than the homeschooling.
1: Yeah. How do you deal with that now?
0: Well, I'm used to it now, but it, it is interesting because I learned that only children have a different kind of memory. Like I don't have a ton of memories from my childhood, which is really bizarre, but um, apparently it's from being an only child because you aren't sharing memories. So they don't log wow. brain in the
1: same way. Isn't that crazy? Had no, I have, I'm one of five. So you like, have didn't a lot even, of siblings. yeah, I do. I didn't even realize that that was a part of like my memory log.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, I wish I had siblings, but that being said, like a lot of why I've been able to follow my dreams is probably because I'm an only child because my parents could dedicate so much support to just me. Yeah. I can't complain too much. On that
1: note, how did you get your first role?
0: Uh, I auditioned. I my first two things were horror films, and I wasn't in the union yet. But I was just so excited to be working on anything. I was a dead girl in both of them. One of them, I got buried alive, and then the other one, I had my throat slit.
1: How old were you when you did those? Eleven. Apologies for not knowing that ahead of time. Oh, but. oh that's
0: okay. Um, and then before, right before I turned twelve, I got uh, a movie called Accepted, which was uh, I remember that got Justin Long and Jonah Hill and some. Uh, Blake Lively. It was a really, really good cast. And that was a, a bigger movie. And I thought like, oh, great. Now from here on out, I'm going to do big movies forever. You know, and that was completely naive. <laughs>
1: but hopeful. I think that's. Yeah. And by the way, like you are doing big movies now. So yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, it
0: was, it's nice to have that optimism as a as a child. That was the most memorable young job that I had because it was like a real movie and I had a real part and all the people in it were so amazing. And like, look at Jonah Hill now. I mean, he has so many Oscar nominations and yeah, I feel lucky that that was one of my first things.
1: Yeah. But you also like went on to play roles that I felt like were very different than who you are. Yeah. I've gotten lucky
0: for sure. I've done a wide variety of different characters. I've definitely done like the punk girl thing a lot. Yeah. The like sarcastic, dry girl. Um, but I've also been like the school nerd and like the popular girl. I've gotten to be both, but I've definitely never, I've never been like the girl next door or the cheerleader or anything. That's not really in my, my wheelhouse, <laughs> but I've been like a homeless uh, drug addict. And then I've also played someone like really, really wealthy. I've really gotten to do everything. I feel so, so lucky, even though it's on a smaller scale, but it's such a good thing to experience for your brain.
1: Yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about that just because I like distinctly remember when we were teenagers, you had talked about weeds a lot and how your character was very promiscuous for her age and very different. And then to see you go on and play someone who was like pretty rebellious and dark Gently, like all those characters feel a little bit, I mean, feel obviously different than who you are, but I wonder what it's like to fill characters who are really different than you and like wear their clothes and speak that way and embody
0: who they are. Yeah. Weeds was a huge turning point for me, even though I only did like eight or nine episodes of that show. It was a really big deal for me because it was really my first more adult role. It was very R rated and my parents didn't want me to do it. And I kind of said yes to it behind their back. So that was a like very, I guess adult experience for me and it was crazy to play like a goth girl with chlamydia. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I said promiscuous and you just like gave us the whole rundown. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to (laughs) be here. Um, I don't know if it was
0: chlamydia or gonorrhea. It was something like that, but, um, it was crazy to be doing that type of material without really knowing what it was yet. So that really stuck in my memory. And then, um, yeah, Dirk gently was so different. I, I mean, I played an agoraphobe who ends up having magic powers and, that's probably my favorite role I've I've ever had. It allowed me to do a lot of really cool things like I had to learn the drums which was really fun. I had to move to Canada which was a totally new experience and then working with Elijah Wood was so amazing cuz he played my older brother and he he really treated me like a sister and treated me like family. So that was super special because I had never had that experience on a set before where someone really, you know, took me under their wing and treated me like family.
1: Yeah, I think all the time if I was to ever do something in that space, like TB would be something that's so captivating to me because it's like you're working with a character for such a long period of time and you almost like grow with that character. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not an actress, but it's always been really interesting to me. Yeah. Did you ever think about acting? I take class every now and then just because I think it's I think it's like beneficial for anybody, like no matter what you're doing. It really is just like therapy. Yeah, definitely. you're,
0: You're analyzing your feelings and expressing yourself.
1: Yeah. I think it's fun to just get out of your body for a little bit.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's a great challenge. And that's the best part of acting is getting to act like doing the work because everything else gets really complicated and messy, like all the competitive, you know, the competitive side of it. It's always the best to just dive into the work. So being in a class is a great thing.
1: Yeah. And now you're transitioning to directing and producing and it's adding so many hats to the job.
0: Yeah, you kind of have to. I feel like you have to be a multi hyphenate in the, this business today. I think I probably would have pursued these things anyway, but really in today's day and age, you have no excuse not to. Like, there's no excuse to really be waiting around for an audition anymore. Like, you have you- so much technology and resources at your fingertips.
1: Was there any resource in particular that helped you take that jump from acting to directing? Well, I
0: just got got it stuck in my head one day over the holidays because the holidays are that weird limbo time where you have no auditions and no work. And I always went crazy and turned into a freaky, like hypochondriac if I wasn't working. So <laughs> I remember one day during the holidays, uh, when I was a teenager, I got it stuck in my head. I would make a short film just to keep busy. And then I loved it so much. And I just collaborated with all the friends that I had already made in this business and made it cheaply with my own money and just did it. And uh, I was lucky I had my, my acting money to support that. But um, I do find it kind of selfish when people borrow money to make a short film because that short is never never going to see its money back. And <laughs> it's your passion project. So I kind of think you have to put yourself on the line if you want to do it. But then again, I'm in a different position than other people. But um, sorry, that was a little detour. I actually agree with you. But, but yeah, so um, I just spent my own money and, and went and did it and then loved it so much and then just got to keep doing it.
1: That's amazing. I think it was episode two or three. um, I had Molly Gordon on the show and she had just, I love her so much. Like think she's one of the coolest people ever, but she had just wrapped um, Booksmart and she was talking so much about just what an actor, she was talking about Olivia Wilde in this situation, but brings to director role and how it was a totally different experience working with somebody that had been an actor. And I am, I wonder what it feels like for you and what you bring in as an actor when you're directing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know Molly Gordon, really, but I have a ton of mutual friends with her and I think she's super talented. Um, So I'm looking forward to listening to that one. Um, But yeah, she's totally right. I think as an actor, you become a better director because you're so sensitive to everyone around you and because you know what it's like to, you know, make a fool of yourself in front of the camera. So you're just a lot, I think, kinder and more collaborative when you've already been on the other side. Um, but that being said, my directing, I think has also made me a better actor because I'm easier to work with because I, I want to work with easy actors when I'm a director. So I have to become that easy actor when I'm acting. That makes sense.
1: No, totally. I totally get that. It must be so much fun to be able to do both. It's a fun challenge. As you've been directing, is there a particular reference from your life or like a book or a movie that you've read that you have found yourself referencing a lot?
0: Oh, interesting. I don't know if there's any one in particular, but I guess, I don't know, it's hard because two books stand out for me right now because they're projects that I'm working on and one of them is Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. um, Which I read and loved. Oh, it's such a good book. I love it so much. So I think about that book all the time, just because that's my project. Another book that I've been working on uh, is called Dork Diaries. It's a children's book. There's many, many editions of it coming out since the early 2000s, but I'm adapting that right now. Those two books like, are at the front of my brain every moment.
1: <laughs> I finished Turtles All the Way Down in One Sitting.
0: Yeah, it's, it's super compelling and um, honest and and brave. And I love that John pulled from his own experiences with OCD to write this, this really complicated teenage girl.
1: Definitely. I always ask this question because I think it's something that if no matter how old you are, if you're like an entrepreneur, you're a writer whatever it is, like learning to trust your opinion is very difficult. And I wonder how you have learned to trust your own when it comes to acting and directing.
0: Well, I don't always, you know, sometimes you really know what the right choice is as an actor or as a director, like you feel it in your gut, you can intellectualize it, you just know it's the right right choice. And then sometimes you don't. And I think it's okay to ask other people their opinions. You know, I'm, I'm not really afraid to say, I don't know the answer or what do you think? And maybe some people will perceive that as weakness, but to me, that's what being honest and open and collaborative is about. You have to be willing to say, you don't know the answer.
1: I love that. I think so many people are like afraid to ask for help. Everybody sometimes just kind of wants to have the answers already in their mind.
0: I find myself sometimes pretending to know the answer to something. And then I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Just ask, just be honest. Why, why have I built up that wall?
1: Definitely agree. I love that. So by the time this episode comes out, technically banana splits out. Yeah, woo. <laughs> I am I have not been able to see it yet because it's not technically out, but I'm so excited to see it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's sad uh, we won't have our theatrical release anymore um because of coronavirus, which is really sad, but that being said, it is a movie for teenagers and I'm I'm thinking a lot of teenagers watch things by streaming, so hopefully it'll still reach its audience and And hopefully people will still love it at home.
1: I think it definitely will. And I think to me, like there's nothing that is making me calmer right now than knowing that like everybody's in the same boat. I think there's like a lot of calmness when it comes to thinking about solidarity in this time. And that's a really
0: good point because I was wondering why I wasn't more anxious than I am. Everyone's in this position.
1: I'm a nervous wreck right now. So that's just me. (laughs) But the thing that's calming me down is knowing that everybody's in the same boat. So it's not like... And I think what I have been trying to console my friends about, whether it's lost jobs, lost opportunities, just overall fear is that, you know, everyone's in the same boat. It's not something you did. It's not something like with your work that ended up being an issue that you couldn't resolve. Like everybody is in this boat. And I have a lot of faith that people will be watching from home.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is one of the good things for the entertainment industry is this whole crisis has proved that content is really, really valuable. And so hopefully, eventually, it'll just promote more jobs to make up for all the jobs that were lost. Because I mean, you can't deny right now that all of these movies and TV shows and documentaries people are watching are so powerful and bringing us all together. I mean, I just binged Tiger King in one sitting. I was just about to ask if you've seen it. I started it last night. Yes, How <laughs> it's bringing everyone together. Everyone's yes. talking about it. And there's this sense of community, even though we're all isolated.
1: Yes, definitely. And I think that's super important. The first thing that I did when we went into quarantine, I I hardly do this because maybe I'm I'm shyer than I guess people think. Like I don't really like ask for things on Instagram, but I went up and I was like, "What's everyone reading? Like what are you baking? Like what are you watching?" And it was actually really cool to see like the community that came around, and people like reading a specific book or watching a specific TV show, whatever it is. And I think we're going to come out of this definitely realizing that those those things are way more important than we maybe thought before.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely see everyone posting on their Instagram stories a lot more right now.
1: <laughs> oh, people are bored at home. Like, okay. Yeah. Also, I'm extremely grateful for this platform because it comes out consistently. It comes out every Monday. Um, I am not going on live on Instagram for that reason. Like there's are so, I open up my Instagram and there's like 30 people going live <laughs>
0: It's It's, insane. uh, It's it's funny that you say that you're shy because um, usually you don't associate shy people with like a host.
1: (laughs) Right. No, totally. It's a really weird balance. Like I can't really describe it. It's, I don't know. I think there's a happy medium. I think I'm. someone put something on Instagram the other day that was like, you can follow somebody and hear their work and be a fan of theirs. But like, you really know that they're a private person when you don't really know anything beyond that. Um, And I think maybe I try to, like excel in that and just kind of keep like the community around something specific, which is this,
0: yeah. if that makes sense. I, think we're, I mean, I think we're all kind of walking contradictions. So in a way it makes sense to me. Like, yeah, I'm a total neurotic scaredy cat worry wart, but yet I'm also really, really brave and put myself out there all the time and totally, those are yeah. completely opposite things. That's what's powerful about human beings. The fact that we can be opposite and those like forces drive each other.
1: Definitely. I love that. But so let's talk about banana split before I, we go on crazy tangents <laughs> because I'm- Start meditating. <laughs> honestly, I'm doing yoga at five o'clock apparently today. I'm very excited. I think I need some zen at home. To begin with, you got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Woo! How does that feel? How, like that is so cool. Thank you. Uh, well, a lot of
0: credit goes to Ben Kasolki our director, because I, I did not direct this one, but I think he did a great job and he handled the movie with a lot of, heart and compassion and empathy. And and hopefully that translates to the critics. But really, I hope like the kids that watch it like it. So we'll, we'll find
1: out. How did the idea for the movie come together? And you obviously have to tell us about the name. Yeah.
0: So it was originally called My Boyfriend and His Girlfriend. And then it was called April Sandwich. And then it was called Eskimo Sisters. And now it's called Banana Split. So the name has had quite a history. Yeah, it was based on my my high school relationship and which <laughs> I never usually say his name but you know Jason so I'll just I just have to say Jason. Sorry Jason. Sorry Jason, but we you know broke up around the end of high school, um, even though we were in homeschool high school, but we broke up and he started dating someone else right away and I was incredibly jealous and freaked out and then I happened to meet her at a party by accident and I actually loved her and thought she was so cool and did not hate her at all. And that was such a weird feeling to develop a friendship like that. So that was the initial seed of the idea. But obviously over the years, it's been completely fictionalized. I mean, my character is not an actress. She's not homeschooled. I have a little sister in it. Um, everything really became fictionalized. So um, in that sense, I can say, um, not sorry, Jason. <laughs> Inspiration
1: is, you know, maybe it's flattering. Take it that way.
0: I mean, I think everyone writes their first thing based on their first love or, you know, their real experiences. No, no piece of art comes out of nowhere.
1: That's really interesting. I wonder how much of your writing is based on real events.
0: I, I mean, so much of it, at least um, even if the plot is not the same as my own life, the, the emotions are pretty much always in anything that I write. It's their uh, emotions that I feel or I, I know other people feel and you're just kind of exploring that and working it out like the story tells you what it is by the end and you don't necessarily know what it is while you're writing it. And then it kind of emerges and you end up tackling something that you're feeling.
1: Yeah. What I'm most excited to see about this movie, because I've technically seen it by now, (laughs) but, and you know, I actually said this about book smart too, is I feel like when we were young, the popular movies that were on TV that portrayed female relationships were mean girls. And it was never really about like real friendship and women supporting each other. And I think that that has so much to do with, you know, so much of what goes on in society today where women are often pinned against each other. And so it's nice to see this shift. But I wonder for you as a, I can't even call you a newcomer to Hollywood because you've been there your whole life. But, you know, like I also think about this post like Me Too movement where women have come to the forefront of entertainment. And do you think there's been a shift for females and female stories since that have like opened the door to more realistic female stories?
0: I definitely do. And I I think the Me Too movement is problematic in some ways and really beneficial in others. You know, um, I think on... The side of it being positive, there's a ton more female filmmakers that are getting their shot and getting in rooms and more stories being told from different perspectives. Um, It's great in that sense. And I've definitely been lucky to come around as a director, you know, at the right place at the right time. A lot of people ask me, like, what are your hurdles due to your age or your gender? And I'm like, well, I don't feel those hurdles anymore because this conversation is so in the zeitgeist. It's like popular right now to be a female filmmaker. So I actually feel lucky. I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage advantage. And yeah, and Banana Split was meant to be a, a story about a platonic female friendship that is a really good friendship. And it's hard to find the stakes and the conflict in that, which is probably why there's not too many movies made about it. But I think once you figure that out, it's really special. And Booksmart did a great job of that. I had been working on this way before I knew about Booksmart. So uh, I didn't realize that there was something else out there like it.
1: Yeah, it's it's really nice to see. I think about that like so much with my little sister, where I'm like, oh, these movies that like, we were trained to see that were in popular culture are so different than what is out now and in an amazing, beautiful way. Oh,
0: totally. I mean, I think we were taught growing up to like be the girlfriend. Um, And we're 90s kids, not even like 50s or 60s kids. Um, And so it is cool to think of like young girls growing up, dreaming of becoming the president or whatever it is. But I think there was a lot of movies about platonic female friendship that were coming out that were exciting, but they were for the older age group, like *Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion or Bridesmaids. And I hadn't yet seen something in that younger age group.
1: Speaking of landmark female moments, you're about to be one of like the youngest females to ever direct a major studio production, which is so crazy.
0: Yeah, it is really crazy. I I hope it happens. I mean, that, Uh, All those articles came out saying that, um, which was so flattering and exciting and cool. But then it was frustrating because the movie got shut down with the Disney Fox merger. We still haven't shot the movie yet. That's the John Green movie. Um, I'm very optimistic that we will shoot it this year if, you know, the world survives the current pandemic. So, yeah, it's it's hard to talk about because I'm like, oh, I haven't gotten to do the thing yet.
1: Yeah, that must be really challenging, but also like great insight into the fact that like media cycles sometimes really fucking suck. Yeah. I mean, mergers happened. It was
0: completely unprecedented. I understand that it's all way bigger than me and completely out of my control. It was, right. uh, it was sad to be so close to making it because it's so special and important to me and all the producers and the fans of the book. I really, truly am optimistic that it'll find its place when the time is right.
1: I think it will. And thank you for sharing that too, because I think it must be really challenging when things like that come out and you're super excited and then you kind of have to backpedal a little bit. So I hope that we get to see it and I hope you get to work on it because it was a phenomenal book and I'm really, I think you would bring so much to it. So I hope that it gets to happen. Thank you so much. Yeah, Let you know. Yeah, please do. What advice do you have for people who want to tell stories but don't really know how to do it or where to begin?
0: Oh, gosh. Well, it's so cliche. But first of all, don't give up, obviously. Persevere. I mean, I've been doing this like 15 years now. I'm still, still, you know, in it, still hustling. So you just got to stay with it, number one. And then beyond that, I would say like, don't wait around for anyone else's validation or acceptance. I think people need to make their own work and share their voice and, you know, take an iPhone and, and make a movie on your phone if you have to, because that's one step closer than where you were before. So just do whatever you got to do to make it happen, even if it's for free.
1: I love that. What stories do you want to be telling right now? Like, do you feel a sense of responsibility to tell a specific story?
0: You know, I actually don't because I I feel like I'm a woman of privilege and I just want to tell entertainment and stories that specifically relate to me that I understand the worldview that that story has. And I don't think it's my place to be like telling a story about war, you know, or something massively important because that's not my own experience. So I think right now I'm trying to stay within um, my own my own scope, if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, and I think that's great because I do think, I feel like we see so much backlash and criticism for people that fill shoes that they might not be supposed to be filling. And I think that relatability is really important. I just, I would feel
0: like a fraud in you know, today's current climate to be telling a story that I have no business telling. So really, for me, it just comes down to entertainment and honesty and just not trying to preach or have an agenda. Really just um, just be present and and try to make good work.
1: And I know you've also talked a lot, like even in this episode, you talked a lot about kind of being anxious or like having your own like mental health things, whether it comes to like dude, I'm the most OCD person of all time. So reading uh, Turtles all the way down was like, I was like, oh God, I, I totally get this. But I wonder if you also feel like an, like I know in that movie and then in After Everything, there also was, you know, like not so much mental health issues, but the couple had, was dealing with a relationship and a cancer diagnosis. And I wonder if those projects also feel personal to you um, and what they represent to you in telling stories about mental health and health in general.
0: Yeah, those stories I do feel a little more equipped to tell because I have my own mental health journey. I definitely have severe anxiety and twinges of OCD and relate to Asa and turtles like crazy. I mean, I've always had those thought spirals. So I feel more equipped to to handle that kind of story. And then With After Everything, I've just always been such a hypochondriac and same with my uh, writing and directing partner on that movie. So it made sense to tell a story about cancer because we were always thinking about what happens if we got it? Worst case scenario. Yeah. What would that be like? And so it was really interesting to explore that and kind of face my fears
1: because it's so bad for me to Google illnesses. I freak out. I had to block. My parents blocked WebMD from my browser when I was in high school.
0: No, me too. Because I once Googled, can a teenager have a heart attack? And read that on Yahoo Answers, it was like, yes, you can have a heart attack as a teenager. And I went to the hospital because I was convinced I was having a heart attack. Yep. Anyways, so it's like my worst nightmare to have to Google all of these, um, these questions about cancer and do all that research. And a huge part of making that movie was overcoming that, that fear and yeah, I, mean, I, I got to do the research, got to do this.
1: I was going to say, do you feel like you, like there was a little bit of like a cathartic feeling to wrapping that movie?
0: Definitely. I, I think I got a lot better actually. And, um, also just makes you realize like there's so many people out there going through that and that have cancer. And it's like, why am I spending my days not appreciating my health? There's so yeah. many people that would kill to have that health. So that was, really, really important experience for me. And, um, and, you know, I've had people in my family have cancer and die of cancer. And so I I felt like, okay, I I can tell this story because I've been through that hell in my own, in my own way. And I think a lot of people have.
1: Yeah. I think we'd be surprised at how many people feel those, those crazy insecurities all the time of, I literally will have like a cramp in my leg and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to wake up and not be able to move my leg. Totally. I had a friend with a hypochondriac who was like, my
0: arm is really hurting. It's probably arm cancer. All the time. She was like, wait a minute. I went
1: shopping and I was holding a really large bag on that side. (laughs) That's a great one. That's a great one. Looking forward, you've accomplished so much at a young age. Is there something that you're focused on overcoming or a challenge that you're facing looking forward just after having accomplished so much? Because I feel like at a young age, you do all these things and and then it almost feels like this weird sense of insecurity looking forward being like, what's next? What now? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I have no idea. I think if you had asked me a year or two ago, I would have said like, I want to make a movie. I want to be a director, but I've gotten to do those things recently. And so it feels like my dreams came true. So a lot of my focus uh, has been on my own personal life and, you know, while I'm still ambitious and still majorly focusing on my career and working all the time, my priorities in terms of growing have more to do with being a good girlfriend and being a good dog mom and being a good daughter and friend. So those are the things I'm working on now, just trying to be the best version of myself I can be and and not get too wrapped up in like the selfish career ambitions.
1: (laughs) Those are totally real things. I always try to like remind myself is that you can definitely do all of them, but I, genuinely think that you can't really do it all at once and carving out the time to dedicate to those things that's separate is really important. I find myself like if I'm trying to do all these like amazing things at work, I find myself not focusing at home. So it's like spend a good weekend at home, grind during the week. To me, separate has always been something that I feel like has been easier for me to accomplish.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's a good way to put it. And that's something maybe I'll try to do is like carve out the actual time, like you just said. Yeah. But
1: um, We have nothing but time right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, I
0: do think you become a better artist too. Like those two things feed each other. If you're getting outside of yourself and caring about other people and caring about animals and spending time um, thinking about not just yourself, then it'll actually benefit your art and your work anyways. So there um, really, there's a lot of uh, synergy with those ideas. I didn't as well as I wanted to, but
1: no, you did. I actually, I totally agree. I think it's great. Now that we're quarantined at home for a little while, I feel like there is no one better to ask than you what we should be watching and the movies that moved you this year.
0: Oh goodness. Okay, we'll definitely watch Tiger King because it's <laughs> it's fucking weird. Yes, <laughs> I also I feel like I have a hot take on it, which is um, I love the fashion in it fashion is incredible.
1: I love that take. I respect that take.
0: Yeah. Those cowboy hats and like bejeweled shirts just slay my heart. Uh, Well, I'm watching the Nick and I'm watching better things. Both uh, are available to stream. Highly recommend both of those shows completely different. The Nick is, you know, about hospitals and doctors in the early 1900s and better things is about a single mom raising three daughters that are, all over the place. Um, and it's very comedic and funny. So I think those are two really special shows that are very different. And then movies, I would say go to my Instagram called movie club 3000. Cause I have a special Instagram dedicated to all the movies I'm watching. So you can see wow. serious oh hacks God. here. <laughs> well, I just obsessed with Instagram. So I have like 10 of them. I have Instagram for my dogs and all my hobbies. So do you really? Yeah. I love that. I didn't even know that. I can't help it. I'm addicted. I social media is, is crazy and probably not good for you, but I'm, I keep doing it
1: Uh, it, for me. It's like a nice thought catalog. Totally. It's like
0: my, it used to be like my Tumblr, but now it's my Instagram. So um, yeah, go to movie club 3000 because I post stills from all my favorites. Um, So you should definitely check it out.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I will definitely be doing that. There's a lot of good recommendations on there, I think, but I'm biased because they're all my favorites. What's the first thing you're going to do when you're out of quarantine?
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I'm probably going to go to all my favorite restaurants because mm-hmm. I miss them and I can't cook. And, oh gosh. I, and see my friends, really. Just see my, my good friends. It's weird not to see them because they're like three minutes away, but yeah, you can't. I know it's a really weird feeling.
1: Again, I think everybody at their own pace and I've been telling everybody like, Don't judge anybody for the decisions they're making right now. Everybody needs to make the decisions for themselves. Do what feels right for them. Do what feels is going to keep them healthy. And hopefully it'll be over soon. I know. I don't
0: know know what the the solution is, but um, I'm along for the ride. Okay, so
1: tell everybody where we can watch Banana Split, which is out
0: now. Banana Split, you can see on demand and digital. Uh, The platforms I know of are Amazon and iTunes. I'm sure there's many other platforms though. So yeah, Google it and check it out.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to leave you all now because I need to show Hannah my dog. Yes. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Bs. See you next week.